Thanks for checking out the Wake Up Real Estate Podcast. Ryan and I are both so grateful that you're here. To check out the full video replay, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Wake Up Real Estate, or you can find the YouTube link in the description on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Now, Okay, we're recording now. So um, five little known facts about FHA financing, uh, ways that you can help more clients and sell more homes. Uh, Jordan Sires on our virtual mortgage partners team is kind of like our, our guideline and scenario Jedi. And um, I thought, Jordan, maybe the best place to start would be the fact that uh, earlier this week, you let the team know that you had just uh, pre-approved a buyer with a, uh, an FHA buyer with a 513 credit score. Because I think that's, yes. that illustrates little known fact number one, which is, Jordan, credit score. Minim- oh, cre- yeah. Credit score minimums are 500 on FHA loans. Um, I know we talked about this in our last session, but most banks have overlays, mm-hmm. you know, uh, across the board. And those overlays have uh, uh, usually the, 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 the minimum of most banks is about a 580, right? But Technically, from an FHA standpoint, FHA guideline standpoint, there are banks out there that go down to a 500 credit score. Now, the caveat on a 500 credit score is it has to have 10% down. Anything between 500 and 580 is 10% down. So 10% down. And uh, you know, one of the benefits of our mortgage team is we have access to over 200 lenders. So when Jordan talks about overlays, if you go to your local bank or lender uh, and you've got an FHA buyer, they may have an overlay that requires them to be at a 620, maybe, maybe down to 600 or 580. We have, Jordan, do you have any idea how many lenders we have that'll go down to 500? Six. Six. So we have six lenders that will go down to a 500 again with 10% down. 10% down, right? That's the caveat. Um, but uh, as I said, Jordan earlier this week was able to pre-approve a buyer FHA financing with a 513 credit score. So, you know, th- th- there is, if if they are willing um, and and have the means, there, there, there are oftentimes ways to help clients where they may have been turned down by other lenders. Um, you know, we, we've, been helping and working with clients that have turned been turned down by you know one, two, three, up to six different lenders have turned them down. We've been able to get folks pre-approved uh, under contract and uh, and closed on uh, in, in some cases multiple properties even. Um, so that's kind of little known fact number one. Now Jordan mentioned um, briefly little little uh, nugget in there that last week's session, we talked about overlays. Last week's section, session was on VA loans. I will find the replay link of that and I'll put it in the chat. Uh, and if I'm sending this to you after, I'll include that as well, because that was a great session. We had great questions. Uh, and we were talking about how you can use the VA loan program to build an investment portfolio. But we also got into a, a lot of other particulars about the VA loan uh, program and, and how that works and some of the qualifications and misconceptions around that. Okay, so that's little known fact number one, FHA, uh, people can qualify down to a 500 credit score. Uh, Jordan, where should we go next with uh, these sort of little known facts about FHA? 
Uh, you can have multiple FHA home loans. Yeah. So there are, there are a lot of um, caveats with this one. Okay. So there are, there are caveats with them uh, with this one. Um, there are situations where people can have more than one. A lot of it is usually based um, on family, like maybe family size. Yeah, maybe you're moving and you want a bigger house because you're having a baby uh, for as one reason. Uh, just like, uh, you know, or maybe your, your, you know, your house is just getting bigger. Maybe you just need more room, right? You need more bedrooms or whatever, whatever the case is. Um, there's also where if you're moving for a job long distances, right? Maybe it's a, a job that you got a job offer in Washington and you live in Florida, right? That's another situation where you could, you could, um, have more than one FHA home loan. There are caveats in the terms of how much equity position you need to have especially if it's under a hundred miles, it's usually a 25% equity position in your current house. So you actually have to order two appraisals on FHA when you're doing that. So you have to order your first appraisal, which is on their current home. And it has to have at least a 25% equity position if you're within a hundred mile radius. And uh, and then you'll order your, you know, your normal appraisal and your normal purchase. I did this recently, I wanna say two months ago with a guy named Andrew Gallagher. His, uh, his wife was pregnant again. They had limited number of bedrooms and they wanted to move up. He had the equity position because most people do right now. They don't want to refinance their house. They want to keep it. Why would you want to refinance an FHA loan at 2% interest rate? Um, uh, but they think they can't get another FHA, but they may they might have another, you know, uh, an equity position uh, of at least 25%. They could turn around, buy another house as long as it um, has an acceptable reason. Which so. also ties into last week's, which so one of the misconceptions about VA was that you can have multiple VA loans. Again, you have to there has to be a good reason. Uh, but if you have that reason, the legitimate reason, you can have multiple. Um, there are some other strategies with that, which uh you can explore individually with Jordan if you'd like. I have put Jordan's yeah. contact information there, but there are some other um uh ways that you can navigate that. Um, the, the mo- yeah, the most I've ever had a client buy was eight, eight FHAs. Had so you cap out what eight houses with eight FHA financing, meaning had owned all eight, all yeah. with FHA financing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's uh, a there's a way there's a ways um um there's never breaking the rules. There's just always working around the rules. So when you know when you know the guidelines, you can work around the guidelines a little bit. Navigating right? the guidelines. Navigating yeah. the guidelines. Yep. Yep. Um, the guidelines are there, but uh, there, there's always or or there are oftentimes workarounds to them. Okay. So we've got uh, five uh, five hundred minimum credit score. We've got the uh, the possibility of multiple FHA loans. What should we cover next on our, on our investment list? properties or yeah. Uh, yeah. um yeah we can uh I I especially for a first time home buyer I, I don't know if anyone's ever helped someone buy a quadplex or a duplex before um but typically if you try to go conventional on those even if you're living in one side the minimum down payment's 15% on conventional with FHA it's three and a half no matter what all the way up to a four unit okay your your loan amount minimums in your area. So you know, um, I'm sure people know that there's there's FHA maximum loan amounts, right, right? right? The number of units each unit that you're buying increases. So when you're buying a four unit, 
it's like a one and a half million dollars. It's not 400,000. Yeah. Uh, the number of units, it, it scales up with the number of units. So some people think, oh, I can't buy that duplex because it's 700 grand. It doesn't qualify for FHA because my minimum, my maximum loan amount is 400,000. It actually increases with the number of units you have. So if it's a four unit property, you can look up in your county. There is a website you can look it up for, you know, county limits. You just put in your county there. And it'll give you one unit, two unit, three unit, four units, and the maximums for that for that county or that zip code. Um, and uh, and I could put that in the chat so you guys, if you want to look it up, you know, if you run across it. But nine times out of ten, you're not going to find a property that it's based off the area of of the median cost area for that you know for that area. So if you're looking in LA, it's millions of dollars. If you're looking in Pennsylvania, you know, it's a million dollars. You know, kind of. Yeah, so it, it just uh, it just it well, just depends. Someone talking. I got it. Okay. I, I so uh with that being said though, it's only three and a half percent down. So when you're talking to someone wanting to get into investing, right? And I and I said this last week and I said it on a call today. Um I'm a huge advocate um you know advocate for people dipping their toes in the water on investing because it lines you up for multiple multiple purchases, right? It gets you going. So if you can get the first couple, at least the first couple with minimal money down, it gets them going, gets them some cash flow going to where they can buy more properties with different mortgage products later on. So FHA is one of those products. You can buy a quadplex with minimal money down, three and a half percent. You can even use the rent. So let's say that the other three sides are rented at a thousand dollars a month. You can use it at 75% of the rent value. So if it's, you can add basically $750 in income to offset that payment. So that client that thinks they can't qualify, well, a lot of times it offsets and negates their payment so much they don't actually even make a payment. So so hold on, I'm gonna unpack several things here. Yeah. So let, let's say it's a quadplex and each of the other three units are renting for three th- or a total of 3,000, $1,000 each. That's 3,000. You, you can take that by 75, which would be two. 1250 right yeah 250 mm-hmm. right which then can be counted towards their income on their DTI correct okay so i just i'm just highlighting that for everybody right so that's another i've had to, i let me explain this way i've had social security borrowers be able to buy houses in the 3 400,000 dollar range because those rents offset it and it put them in a position to where they didn't have to make a mortgage payment as long as they kept those rented so I put them in a better position. Some light bulbs are going off for folks, I hope. Hopefully you can see how this one of the five, this one alone can very, like, can, 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 without question, help you help more motivated, uh, you know, ready, willing, and able buyers, right? You can show them a path, not just to purchase their, their first property, but to, to get started as a real estate investor at the same time. So to solve their own, uh, uh, you know, property uh, needs and also start growing it, well. it, it also puts them in a position to where if you think about it this way let's say your market is a market where an average single family is 250,000 right and they qualify for 175,000 this would also put them in a position as long as those other three sides units are rented out that it, it gets them in the game yeah like that that's part of our problem right now is getting the clients even in the game to to to, to purchase houses yeah. So looking at the box and saying, okay, how can we, 
how can we get this this client to get into our even our you know find a duplex in the three four hundred thousand dollar range or a quadplex? But how do I get them to qualify? Um, we just we we have that on. I, I use an example from last week, but we we're doing that with a VA loan right now where someone did not quite qualify uh, on their own to buy single family because they just they they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anything at one hundred seventy five thousand in that area, but they're able to find a triplex. That they could live in one side, uh, and uh, and uh, and purchase it that way, and they use the rents to 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 help their income. Two more things on this front. I had a phone call yesterday with Chris Pataki, an agent in Delaware. He was calling, asking, you know, what's the minimum down payment for uh, you know for a a mortgage on an investment property? And so we explored that, and and uh, you know, we do have DSCR loans that will do up to 85% LTV if if the investor is experienced, et cetera. And I said, the conversation you really need to have with this person, because I asked, you know, d- are, are they an experienced investor? And he said, no, not only that, they've never purchased a property. I said, listen, the conversation you need to have then is we're going to buy your first investment property, but you're living in one of the units. Live in one of the units for a year. You can use FHA financing, live in it for a year. And then we can explore, do we have a legitimate reason to then go and buy a different one, a single family, or you know, you buy a triplex or a quadplex, and then you, you, you can you can buy a duplex, right? Yeah. So that you can like strategically be growing your investment portfolio uh, with, you know, with with a great financing option here. The mm-hmm. second thing I wanted to bring up, and this is more of a question for me, <clears throat> from me. Down payment assistance can 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 they use down payment assistance and buy a multifamily? Yes. So theoretically, potentially, there's also one other thing I want to mention. It's another. It's one of our other uh, other key things. It's it's a little bit more difficult, but uh, yes, and the answer is yes on that. Uh, uh, the answer is yes on that because of uh, minimum down and down payment assistance. But there is another like kind of caveat is if it's a HUD home, it's a hundred dollars. You can do a hundred dollars down and it's okay, not so down payment assistance. That, it kind of gets us to the next one. Four, four okay. that'd be number four. four. So, so hold on, hold on. Let me backtrack for a second here. So down payment assistance means theoretically could, could get a hundred percent financing. Uh-huh. Okay. Theoretically. Um, but it's got to, you know, there, there are other qualifications to that. Uh, but these are conversation starting points you can have with folks to get them, you know, to, to get them motivated, excited, et cetera. And then we can fill in the gaps and have those uh, 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 more strategic conversations or, or you know, to to, uh, to walk them through the guidelines and, and scenarios, et cetera. Um, one, one thing Daphne Anderson said, he uh, he should stay two years as a primary to get away from capital gains. Well, they're not, we're not, we're not, not selling it. Selling. They're not selling not, the property. We're holding on to the assets. Yeah. Yeah, um, so there wouldn't be no capital gains. Yeah, I mean, you would only worry about capital gains if if you, if you're selling, and even then, um, you know, you could theoretically 1031. There are there are other options, um, uh, et cetera. The DPA criteria, uh, George is asking. Uh, to, so there are DPA. Okay, let me explain this again because I had to explain this on the last call. There's I'm gonna I'm gonna explain the difference between a manual underwrite and a AUS underwriting. Okay. We call it AUS. It's called automated underwriting system. 99.9% of underwriters want to get an AUS approved eligible. That's what you'll hear that term a lot. And because it's based, they're lazy. 
yes well one they're lazy but two uh it's uh uh, it's more of a guarantee, right? I, I am more confident if I'm giving, uh, you know, um, Michelle, for example, a pre-approval letter, if I have an AUS accept, right? But if I have a manual underwrite, it's basically me saying, hey, I know the system is saying no, but I know my guidelines well enough that I'm overriding the system, okay? So DPA criteria technically, George, goes down to 500. There isn't, there isn't, as long as they qualify for an FHA loan and that lender does not have an overlay for their DPA program, which I know of one that we we do have, goes down to 500. The normal you're going to see though is about 580. 90% of lenders are going to go down to about a 580. For an AUS accept, you're going to see maybe about a 640, right? We want to see them about to have a 640 with DPA um, and, and good ratios. But with a 640, if I wasn't getting AUS accept and I had a 640 and I had great ratios and I was at my job for over two years and it's you know a stable job, maybe it's salary, I would take that a manual underwrite all day long. I would not ever turn down that loan. You know, I would and uh and how we do manuals, it's we do them a little different. I have a rule on my team that we do a TBD underwrite. If you guys don't know what a TBD underwrite is, it's a to be determined underwrite. Think about doing the entire mortgage process backwards. So instead of them going out and finding house first and going through the entire process, right, uh, which is the norm, normally we do a 45-minute pre-approval, run them through all the systems we have, check their documents, and then we give you a pre-approval letter and you go out and run houses. There is something called TBD underwriting, which is uh, basically we submit without a house to a lender. They do a full approval underwrite, and they will underwrite your loan uh, completely. So I'm actually submitting one of those today for FHA. It's a $500,000 house in Oklahoma. Okay. They are buyers with an L1A, uh, which if you guys don't know what an L1A, it's a visa. It's a work visa, an executive visa. So he's a president of a company, but he has a very lack of credit history. His daughter has no credit score and he has a 627 because he just started his credit as eight months ago, you know, nine months ago. So where do you take that, right? You can't go conventional on those. Um, we can go uh, uh, a manual underwrite because the guy makes you know five hundred thousand dollars a year salary. His ratios are like ten percent, and the only the only uh, downside is that his his daughter has no score and he has a six twenty seven. Okay, that's the only thing wrong with the file. Um, Josh, go ahead. So I want to take a minute here. Go ahead. Sorry. If your eyes glaze over, <laughs> hold on. If your eyes glaze over when Jordan gets into the weeds here, please understand you don't need to know the weeds. The idea of these sessions are we're giving you five. We're, we're trying to open your eyes, big picture, to five different opportunities or ways that you may not be aware of, and if you can open or create the conversation opportunity, Jordan or someone on our team can then walk through the, the the more specific particulars for that client. What yeah. you should not try to do is understand all of this to the level that Jordan does. You just have to know it well enough to know that this is possible. I can't guarantee that you're going to qualify, but let's find out together. Let's get with Jordan or one of our production managers or you know whatever the case may be to explore what of these opportunities or options you may 
or, or may be a fit for you, right? Oh. So like Jordan gets excited. Uh, yeah, I know. I do. I, I do. Say, Sorry. Even I, the, like half of I, what he just said to me was like, yeah, I know. Mm. It, I, yeah. I, I do that a little too much. But with that being said, just to kind of answer George's question is if we have to do a manual underwrite, we'll submit it. We'll do the loan backwards. We'll basically okay. get a full approval all the way through underwriting and give Michelle a full approval letter, not a pre-approval letter yeah. um, uh, on those. So if I'm overriding our system, which we do, uh, uh, which I do more often than not, you know, lately it seems like, uh, but uh, uh, essentially there are, there are scenarios there that, that, uh, that we one can one thing I want to emphasize with this, that, that what Jordan is describing, AUS versus manual underwrite, is also why we're working with a lot of clients that had been turned down by other lenders because they were turned down by the AUS. And the other lender didn't want to or didn't have the knowledge to be able to, to put together how you could do the manual underwrite. And this is another huge benefit of Jordan and our team. Almost, on a regular basis, we have loan scenarios where... Uh, where we're stuck and Jordan's like, do this, 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 and this, and we're good, right? Like call this FHA helpline, tell them this, submit this thing, and we're good to go, right? So that's mm. part of his uh, Jedi skills when it comes to this. All right, we have two more, and then I want to, I want to, um, I want to make sure that we have time for for Q and A for everybody here. So you started to mention this. You started yeah. to mention this. Let, let's let's double back on the uh, one hundred dollars down. HUD homes. Yeah. Who would here like to buy a house for a hundred dollars? So uh, if you buy a HUD home, so if you go to, uh, you know, there's a lot of websites on there that sell this, you know, sell the information, but there is HUD.gov, right? That lists homes, bigger areas, like larger metropolitan areas will have more HUD homes. Um, but if you can and win the bid, you know, whatever the bid is for the client, um, FHA allows you, if you buy an FHA foreclosed home, a HUD home, um, you can buy that HUD home for $100 down. So that is part of the program. It's it's same. Everything else is the same. The only difference is there is a little bit of challenge with agents sometimes because they got to turn on utilities. You got to have certain utilities turned on before the appraiser goes out there. So there is a little bit of working with the lender with us on when we order the appraisal. Uh, because we basically will stall on the appraisal until you have your, you know, you get all your forms submitted for the utilities to turn on. But I have had clients buy uh, where they've had closing costs paid by HUD, and then they literally come to the table with a hundred dollars. Exactly. Yeah. I, I will say also, um, I've had. Well, this isn't the topic for today. This will be another info session. But I've done USDA where I represented the buyer. We got six percent seller help. And literally the out-of-pocket for the buyer was the appraisal and they got a home inspection. Yeah. That was literally their out-of-pocket less than first and last month's rent if they were renting the same house. Uh, so, you know. Uh, it Turning away someone because they don't have money is not a good idea ever. Uh, ever. There's There's usually a way to do it as long as they fit the rest of the box. I go back to to this all the time with my agents, and I and I talk about this a lot because I, I want you guys all thinking this way. Three pillars: credit, income, assets. If they're missing one of them, they're missing assets, and they have good credit and good income. We're we're golden. It, it, it's it's good. You can always have two pillars, and we'll be okay. So that's DPA program. That's USDA. That's hundred dollars HUD down. There's something. 
It's just a matter of whether or not on putting them on the right list and working with your lender on what that right list would be. It might be that I have a client that doesn't qualify for USDA, doesn't qualify for DPA, but they qualify for the $100 down HUD program. So you might have put them on um, a search for only HUD foreclosures, for example. Um, it's getting you in the right, getting them in the right realm, fitting in the right product with them and getting you out, um, being able to show them a house, you know, that that actually works and instead of just turning people away. Now, it's not always, especially in our current market conditions, let's face it, it's not always easy to find a home that will fit here. But here's what I can tell you. And Jordan and I have lots of experience with this. When you go the extra mile for these clients, they become your biggest fans and advocates. They will go out of their way to try and give you more business because most other people, agents and mortgage, are they've they've been turned away. That 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 example that I gave, the most recent example that I have of helping clients. USDA seller help their their total out of pocket cost was less than a thousand dollars. They had been turned that they had been um, they had been working with an agent previously that gave up and had a lender that was like you know had told them you have to wait another six or nine months or something like that. I don't even remember at this point. Um, and now they are like one of my biggest advocates. And and um, so it's you know anyway. That's an aside to the to the five little known facts here. Number five, and I think this is, I think this relates to what Rich you were talking about. Little known facts uh, apply to FHA rebuilds. I think you're talking about the FHA 203K, which was number five on our list here. Can you unpack that a little bit, Jordan? Uh, so a lot. Of, I I I I'll give a little bit of background on me on this one because I actually specialized in 203Ks. Um, in the beginning of my career. Um, and just so you know, Jordan's been doing mortgages since he was 12. If you, if yeah, you know. I know. Yeah, I know. yeah. <laughs> About 11 years, the 10 years. Uh, but uh, w- with that being said, uh, well, when I went to my mentor, the person I trained was, was it actually, she was a head underwriter for 20 years. She made me read all the manuals multiple times, FHA manuals. And she would like literally quiz me. She'd be like, hey, you got to pass tests on your mortgage guidelines. And is and to this day, I'm thankful. And it, it's a hard read. It's like reading law, right? It's kind of all of a hard read. Uh, and they're about two or 3,000 pages each. But she made me do that over and over again for my first couple of years. And then on top of it, uh, uh, you know, I asked her, what is the hardest? I want to break into the market. I was 19 years old, I think, at the time, 19, 20. And you, you know, I already have a baby face. So I looked even younger. So... For me, I had to prove my worth, right? More than anything. And so I said, I want to do the hardest product I could possibly do in the, in the market and, and figure out how to do that product. That's an FHA 2 or 3K. It is a difficult product for a loan originator to do. Not necessarily on the real estate side. It is difficult to know the caveats and the nuances of the FHA 2 or 3K. I did about six to seven a month for a couple of years, and it is extremely uh, extremely difficult. Uh, but, uh, if you know what you're doing, you can easily, you can easily help out clients with this. You can remodel houses. You can buy distressed property and remodel them. Um, I've had, uh, you know, clients 
um, go out and buy foreclosures and buy with, you know, FHA 2 or 3K because people don't want to touch it for whatever reason. Um, I've had uh, essentially just framing up and finish how, you know, people that uh, didn't quite finish their new construction, they went in and finished it out with an FHA 2 or 3K. Now, there's a lot of options for this in the terms of construction loans and the way we do it. FHA is just one of those options, right? It, it, that that might not necessarily be something for them um, that we want to do. Um, it might be a normal construction loan, but at least gets the conversation going of, hey, uh, this client loves this house, loves the lot, absolutely wife hates the kitchen, absolutely hates the kitchen. We'll remodel the kitchen. We'll take it, purchase the house, remodel kitchen. It's three and a half percent down on the total uh, remodel. So um, if it's, you know, let's say it's a two hundred thousand dollar house, they're remodeling it, you know, for another fifty grand, you'd have three and a half percent of two hundred fifty thousand. Anything over thirty thousand um, dollars in remodeling, uh, it gets a little more difficult because you're going to have what is called a HUD consultant involved at that point. It's basically a babysitter for your contractor. Okay. That's the other the other uh, uh, thing to kind of watch out for. So I typically try to keep the remodels under thirty thousand dollars a lot of times, which is hard to do when you're remodeling a kitchen sometimes. Uh, but I advise those clients to do that because it's a much easier process. It's a it's called an FHA two or three K streamline. Yeah. Um, it's a much easier, much faster process where when you have a HUD consultant involved, you got a babysitter that is is going more to red tape. Through. Yeah, more, more red, red tape. tape to jump through. Yeah. But it is a product that I've used a lot in my past. And it is is for clients that absolutely love the house, but they're going to turn it away because, I don't know, they don't like the living room. Have you thought about changing the living room? Have you thought about tearing out that wall, right? As long as it's not structural, you should be able to do it. You can so, even add, add additions, by the way. You yep. can add, add bedrooms. Maybe so, they love the house. In, in, we've in got some house. great questions here, but I, I want to yeah. just point out how can you take this information and turn it into opportunities for you? Information like this is great to go back to your uh, existing database or even clients that you had. They were whether they were looking at properties online or you've been out looking at properties with them and they've gotten, you know, you haven't heard from them in a while or they they got they got uh, discouraged or they keep losing out. This is. But by being of, uh, by pointing out this information to to them, you're providing or demonstrating value, and it's a way that you can re-engage or reinvigorate and get people excited again. Hey, I know we haven't been able to find a, a property in the price range that you're thinking in the condition you're thinking. Maybe we should look at this FHA two hundred three k where we can go, we can find a property maybe for a little bit less list price, but we can make some renovations, bring it up to the the, um, the the condition that you have in your mind of what you want that first property to look like uh, and, and just approach this from a different angle than everybody else that's in the in the market with you, right? So it's it's having this information is valuable for you as you're having these conversations. But what you should really do is proactively use this information to re-engage with existing, um, uh, you know, post on social media. Hey, did you know uh, that, uh, you know, you can buy a multifamily property with as little as zero to three, 3.5% down. Uh, you know, if you'd like to learn more, how shoot me a private message, right. And you put a picture of a multifamily property or something like that, you know, 
be proactive about using this information to to get you into conversations with more clients, right? That that's uh, how to practically take this and, and put it into uh, you know uh, um, application. Apply the information. Rich asks, uh, can the two hundred three k also be used for a duplex, triplex, or quadplex, or converting a large home to an owner and rental rooms, or or yeah. like things yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. FHA also allows border income after two years. So if you're like um, one of the uh, one of my the guy that I talked about that if FHA loans, right? Um, that I helped him get eight. He lived in one of those dupe quadplexes, and once he he actually grabbed the biggest side of the quadplex, and then he rented all three rooms out for border income. And after two years, we could use that income to qualify. So it added more income, even more, as long as you're okay with you know living with more you know people. But yes, the answer is yes. Uh, Jordan mentioned where to go and find uh, HUD homes, available HUD homes in your market. Robert, thank you for sharing the link for that. It's HUDHomestore.gov, HUDHomestore.gov. You can go and search. Now, listen, that may or may not be an opportunity in your market, okay? Um, and, and, you know, depending on your population density and other factors, you may or may not. But But like being equipped with as much of this information as possible so that when you're having conversations with clients of all types and sizes, you know, having that information is better than not having it. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, do you do uh, lot loans for lots or um, land? I, I think, George, are you talking about just to purchase the lot or to purchase and build, George? And maybe that. All right. So let me this can be a little uh, confusing, right? So how you do it, there's better ways to do it and there's worse ways to do it. If you're just trying to buy the lot and hold on to the lot for a long time kind of thing and build like in two or three years, it's a lot harder to find loans for that specifically because yeah. um, a lot of brokerages don't or lenders don't want to go under hundred grand. If it's over hundred grand, usually you have a larger down payment. You're going to have a better time with a credit union on, on that. If you are looking to build on it within like a year, a new construction loan will purchase the land. You won't actually buy the lot. You'd actually get a new construction loan, purchase the lot and build at the same time. That is a much easier process to do because it's all wrapped in one, all doing it at once. Um, and then there's also where your builder carries it as well. So you ideally the best situation is builder carries your construction loan and we it's just a normal purchase at that point. You know, we do them all the time. It's just usually 99% built on models or whatever reason, but you can get builders to build, you know, their spec, you know, uh, another home or, and carry the construction loan at a, at a, some, some sort of cost. Um, that is usually the easiest for clients, but, um, but to answer your question, yes and no, uh, just depends on the situation and the price point. Yep. Rich had actually sent this as a direct message, but it, it's valuable to to everyone. He asked, "Are we licensed in a particular state?" And I won't say Rich. I, Rich already said a state in Oregon. Um, so Nexa Mortgage, we're licensed in forty eight out of the fifty states uh, as a brokerage. We're not licensed in New York and Massachusetts. There's a whole bunch of reasons why we're working on those, but who knows when they will be? It's really hard. Uh, they're a pain in the butt. Our our team is licensed in. I'm losing. Tri- we're, we're adding frequently. Uh, but there are 30, we're working towards 35 that have no distance requirements. And we're more than halfway to the 35. And then there are 13 or- Oregon is, New York and Massachusetts. Or- Oregon is in process, by the way. 
Yeah. So there you go. Oregon's in process, but if, but in either scenario or, or either case, um, as long as you're not in New York or Massachusetts, we, we have, we can, we can help in some way, shape or form. So don't hesitate to reach out. If you're in New York and mass, there are, I don't know, it's not whatever. Referrals. Reach out if you have questions, but we, we, yeah, yeah we, we can refer, uh, potentially. Um, what requirements are there for a bar buyer to qualify for FHA 203K? I guess a better way of asking it, is it any different than, uh, than no. any? Uh, and sometimes the, the AUS requires a little bit higher credit score, but that's about it. So about 660, 640. Um, you gotta, you know, uh, it's more based off of uh, just traditional FHA is super simple. Like it really is. I mean, it's, it's based off of the guidelines. What you're going to run across again on that is overlays. Most overlays see about 660. Uh, but if you Google FHA's minimum credit score on FHU two or three K, as long as you're not going into the, any sponsored stuff, it'll tell you, tell you the minimum. It's usually, I think it's 580, 580 or 620. I'd have to look it up. Um, and the multiple FHA loans, uh, Isabel, Jordan's five hundred have been late. Sorry. There, there was yeah. um, number one would be a reason having a reason why you bought a duplex, um, and you have a job relocation, or your family's growing, whatever. Like having a reason why the move you're, you're you're moving out of that property. I, I have another one: a divorce. Do you have a current FHA? Your spouse is staying in it. Can you have another FHA loan? Absolutely. You you can do that all day. There are other more creative ways to navigate the guidelines. If you'd like to explore those, just reach out to Jordan directly. The, yeah. You know, the, the, the scenario, the example that he gave with the eight, it's a little bit, uh, you know, unique to that person. Around the it's uni- yeah, it's unique to that person too. So a lot of right. times when you're, when you're guiding someone, it, it's a... Uh, it's finding out what they have and what they what resources they have available to them, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, but they always, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they always live in it. It's still a primary residence, no matter what, for somebody. Yep. Robert had posted this very early on, so thank you for being uh, patient, Robert. On this, I'm interested in learning about assumable loans, as I understand it, only FHA loans can be assumed. So there's a couple of things to unpack there. It's not just FHA, and then maybe you can unpack how how that works a little bit as well. So uh, all government loans can be assumed, right? So USDA, VA, uh, FHA, the, the three, you know, I call them three big ones, right? The big, three big, big boys. They can be assumed. And what in this market, assumable mortgages are even, it, it, honestly, it's it's great, especially to get listings, right? Um, or to get, uh, uh, help people get lower interest rates. Um, what is not great about it is they got to buy out the equity position. So whatever the equity business, they're taking over the loan. They're not refinancing that loan. So they're going direct to servicer. So this is not something you'd contact me for, right? Because I'm not the servicer on the loan. Um, whoever the servicer is, you go directly to that lender. And again, do they have any financial benefit on you su- assuming that loan uh, You know, as a, as a mortgage lender? No, there, there's no financial benefit. It's going to take however long it's going to take. Okay, so... That's usually not problem number one with assumables, okay? Now, uh, number two is where it's really, really, really lucrative is that they take over the interest rate. So if that interest rate was 2.75, that's the interest rate that they would take over. 
But if they had a $50,000 equity position that the seller didn't want to give up and they wanted their money for, basically you'd have to put $50,000 on an FHA loan or $50,000 on a VA loan and you could take it over. Also, that is the only way for a non-veteran, I don't want, I'm not trying to get into VA right now, but a non-veteran um, to own a VA home loan is to assume a loan. I'll give you a very specific example. Ryan on our mortgage team, he uh, recently bought a house in Central PA and it it was a VA loan and they were offering to assume it. Uh, but for several reasons, it didn't, they weren't able to, to uh, go that route on that situation. But if they had been, I think it was 275 or it was something, it was yeah. something remarkable. But, but to, to, to reiterate, you still have to address the equity. The seller is still going to want their equity in some way, shape, or form. So you still have to be able to address that one way or another. Um, Bob Powell, go ahead. Can I give him a little extra? uh, Yeah. A little extra. Uh, Have you guys ever heard of a gift of equity? A gift of equity on a conventional or FHA? I know that we've uh, been working on several of these. Yeah. So when you're buying from family, it's essentially 0% down and zero closing costs. Anytime you're buying from a family, you just have to associate a family relationship, right? Some sort of blood relationship or marriage. Um, It goes all the way to cousin. You can't do it at cousin, but aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, whoever it is, right? I have a client right now that has been renting from her aunt for the last 26 years, and she was trying to find a loan that she can buy this house with. Well, if we know our guidelines, which is we go down to a 500 credit score with 10% down, and she's giving them a deal, the house is worth 300,000. She was told by another lender that she couldn't do that loan, right? The house is worth 200,000. She's buying for 200 grand. Is there equity there? Yeah, about $100,000 with the equity. So is it more than 10% down? Yes. With 10% down, we go down to 500. She has a 586 credit score. She can do 3.5% down, but she's not going to get an AUS accept at 3.5% down. But we're going to do a gift to equity for 33%. Do you think the system's going to take her with a 33% equity position? Absolutely. That'll go all day. It's like her putting 30% down on a house. Um, so I got her pre-approved. They're writing up a contract right now. And it's just, uh, you know, it's one agent making both sides of the deal. They're get, they're getting paid 6%. And I was able to find a way that this client is actually putting no money out of pocket, buying the house and buying it with a credit score in the 500s. Might be something that, you know, if if, if we're willing to, willing to sell, sell it to a family member, um, it, it definitely opens it up for them too. But again, an equity position, they got to be willing to give that up. You know, same with assumables. Uh, Bob, where do we get marketing materials? So Bob uh, and anyone wondering, um, number one, you can create a free account at wakeup.realestate. Free account at wakeup.realestate. And there, there are a number of free resources, including uh, scripts and templates, both um, from a mortgage and financing perspective, like, uh, like scripts that are specifically designed around the financing angle that you can though use as an agent and that I use as an agent. By the way, 
uh, you know, that, that, that hair club for men, uh, uh, I'm, I'm really dating myself, but uh, you know, I'm not only, a, a, a the, the, the president, but I'm a client or whatever, like, uh, our mortgage team, I also use in my real estate business, right? So the, the, the templates and resources, et cetera, uh, here are things that I use with my, uh, local database to get into more conversations and create more appointments and warm referrals for uh, for myself and, and, and my local team. There are scripts and templates. There's also lead capture pages that are around different mortgage programs. For example, there's an FHA DPA. There's, a, uh, there's one around uh, three zero down financing options. And there are many others as well. Uh, and we continue to add to that library. All of that is free. You go wake up.realestate, create a free account. And then I would also highly recommend anyone interested go to vqualifier.com. And the link is in the chat. If you're watching this after the fact, like on replay, the link will be in the description. But vqualifier.com, there's a short video and an overview of all of the things that we're doing, the majority of which, which cost you nothing to help you drastically increase your conversion rates and therefore increase your, your GCI. So that's uh, that. That's the only... Uh, plug or, or pitch I'll make here is uh, stuff that really costs you nothing. But for those that are interested, you can explore in more detail. And then uh, I'll, I'll put Jordan's contact information again. If you have any clients, you know, I know last week that we had several folks that were live that had, you know, situations, scenarios, potential clients that that needed help. And uh, and Jordan was able to get them pointed in the right direction. Some Some of which ended up being getting them set up for credit direction uh, because just because uh, you can qualify with FHA down to 500 or that you can qualify for VA down to 500 or no score, just because that is possible doesn't mean that that's going to be uh, the, the best fit or, or an opportunity for, for everyone. So, uh, you know, it may be that we have to get them set up on, on credit direction uh, and, and help them with uh, with getting on the path to where we can get them better qualified um, for you know a better situation or scenario. Um, uh, so uh, Jordan's direct contact information I'm posting again there. Um, uh, how about an estate sale? Would the gift of equity work on an estate sale? Stacy asked. Um, I haven't done one personally. Okay. Um, if it's family estate. Um, and depending on who's handling the state, it, it's possible. I think uh, it's possible. I'd have to call HUD, HUD, HUD itself. I'd have to call FHA itself and ask on that one. Yeah, but well, we can that's find out. One. You have a yeah, specific a scenario, Stacy. We can certainly find out. That's, uh, a, good Stacey, that's also a good idea to do estate sales with gifts equity, though. That is yeah. a good. That's a great idea. Hmm. Uh, Stacy also asked, "Do you normally do consultations first before having someone fill out a mortgage app, or like what is our normal?" low, let's say, if, if somebody had someone that they wanted to refer to us, what does that typically look like? Yeah. So, uh, yes, absolutely. We do a consultation with every single person, try to find what, you know, try to find out what their, what, what potential pitfalls or, uh, what potential solutions we'll have. I call them exploratory questions, right? So if Michelle, let's say Michelle or Cosette or Joanne or anybody sent me a client, right? One of my loan officers would reach out and they would ask a very specific set of questions. And you would be surprised uh, about that set. 
Usually my first question is, are you a veteran? You'll be surprised on how many uh, vets do not think when they served in the 1980s for four years that they qualified for a VA home loan or even crossed their mind. Um, you know, so our set of questions will will kind of dictate what direction we take them in. Uh, but no matter what, we always direct them to an application because we give everyone a plan at the end of the day. Um, no matter if they don't have the credit score, I've been giving people financial plans to save money for down payment if they needed to save money for down payment. And we always give credit direction because usually credit's the biggest pullback for most people. Uh, but we don't do credit direction in the same same concept. I, I, I've owned a credit repair company for a long time. We don't charge money for it. Um, and I don't like when uh, people go through and just dispute things because um, disputing actually disqualifies you from the mortgage. We just did a training with my my team just the other day over this. But, um, but yeah, the consultation... Uh, every time before they fill out a mortgage application. It is required. It has to happen. I want to emphasize something you went over quickly there. Traditional credit repair doesn't necessarily make them more mortgage ready or mortgage eligible. So that is another thing. Typically goes in the opposite direction. Yeah, but it's important for you to be aware. If you're having conversations with people, that may be a great way for you to have a different conversation where they say, well, you know, for example, one of the best scripts that we have that 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 uh, works like gangbusters for myself and clients is what's the one thing stopping you from buying your dream home this summer? Okay, what's the one thing stopping you? And and somebody says credit, uh, and and you say, well, what about your credit uh, it is stopping you? And they say, well, you know, my credit score is not where it needs to be. I'm in credit repair, and that is a perfect opportunity for you to step in and say. Um, Funny you should mention that our team can 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 uh, potentially qualify folks uh, with credit scores down to 500. And uh, what we see is that oftentimes credit repair can actually hurt your ability to get uh, to get approved for a mortgage. Uh, when would you be available for a quick chat with one of our financing specialists so we can get you? Well, on you, the- you just did this the other day, Josh. I yeah. actually just uh, they just did an application um, and I think they'll pre-approve it on a VA home loan. You said, they said, oh, my credit's not high enough. And it's like, well, VAs don't, I'm just asking because VA, they they did a full application off that scenario, by the way. Like okay. I actually got an application in off them. So, so I asked the question, they said, they said credit and they mentioned that they were doing VA. And I said, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, I'm not sure who you've been talking with, but that, that shouldn't be a limiting factor uh, or something like that. And anyway, it turned into an opportunity for us to help them sooner than later. They were they were ready to wait because of misinformation they got from another lender. They were just going to sit tight and and hopefully do the work to to get their when credit. I, when I when I did my consultation with them, what I found out is that lender had a minimum of a six twenty credit score. Their that was their score, overlay. That was their overlay. Yeah, their credit score was six eleven. So they turned them down. They turned that client down, and they said, "You need to get your credit score up." Instead of saying, you know. Or they didn't have the option, you know. They didn't have a. They only work. They only work with that bank. So, yeah. that's the uh, Ellen. That's the Ellen asked, "Can you re- review how someone can buy a five unit as an owner occupant, and how someone can buy multiple uh, times with FHA loans?" We've kind of covered the FHA loan multiple times. A reason, uh, and there are other workarounds. But five, let's- five units do not qualify for FHA. Right. So it's right. only up to four units. Um, up to four units. Five units, you're dipping into commercial. Commercial, right. but I do have I, I do have uh, lenders that will do DSCR loans, no income, 
Loans. Well, that's what I was going to say. We have, we could units. do a DSCR mm-hmm. uh, up to eight units, I think, right? Yeah, we have five to eight. Five to eight. And, and well, what more, DSCR well, More means, than that. that. I know what lender you're talking about. That's one of our favorite lenders is five to eight. <laughs> I yeah. do have another lender that goes up to like 30 or 40 units, but yeah. So, uh, so with that DSCR, we're going to do an info session sometime this summer just on DSCR, but DSCR stands for debt service coverage ratio on a five unit, or let's say an eight unit, you've got a lot of income to, to count against the, the debt service, even if you're occupying one of the units, right? So you may need more money down. You will need more money down, but you know, if you can find a way to make that work, um, it's no know. income bearing. Basically, you know, for self-employed people, real estate investors, they don't need to qualify off their income. It's just, again, three pillars. They don't need income. They need assets and, and credit, right? Decent. Ellen, I saw that you sent a direct message. I'd be happy to have this open discussion here. If you're okay with that, let me know. if And if not, you can run that scenario by Jordan. His contact info is in here. I'm going to drop it to you directly. But if you're, if you're, you know, we're not going to share the specifics of the, the the applicant or even where you're at. But you know, reviewing this and getting Jordan's thoughts on it uh, might be helpful. So I know I'm putting Ellen on the spot, but uh, let actually let me do it this way. Let me do it this way. She has a VA applicant, okay, um, ratified contract at blank amount, okay, with five percent closing costs, and the appraisal came back short, thirty thousand. Uh, and this applicant's credit score is 800. So some of that, it's it's like one of these uh, these math problems that your kids may come home from school. You have to figure out which of these points actually is important for the the uh, the, the math equation and which which aren't. And maybe all of those. When aren't. you say five percent closing costs, is that you got five percent seller concessions? I believe that's what she means. Five percent okay. seller help, closing help. Yeah. What's the loan? What do we know the purchase price? Um, four twenty four. Okay. And the the appraisal came in at three ninety five. I'm sorry, Ellen. I, I mean, there's no way anyone would three ninety five. Appraisal came in three ninety five. So we're short uh, thirty thousand. Okay, and five percent. What's five percent of twenty? Uh, 20K? Is it twenty k? About a little more than twenty because it's four twenty four is the purchase price. Okay. Um. I'm going to tell you how I would do this. Uh, if it's a save deal and I want to save the deal, right? I'm not worried about income because we do do that, by the way. <laughs> uh, if I'm not worried about income, what I would do is I would take away the seller concessions completely, drop the seller concessions, um, drop my commissions down to the bare minimum. And then um, interest rates all relative to how much money you want to get back or uh, or pay to get that interest rate, right? So if I drop my commissions, it basically will give that money back to that client. Okay. So, uh, so if my commissions are two point seven five on a file, and I drop it to one percent, which is a that's the max allowed on VA, by the way, that's a VA rule. Um, I could essentially give them almost two percent back in seller in lender concessions for closing costs. Um, so. We're off about $10,000, uh, but uh, asking the seller, 
uh, to drop it 30 grand and take away the 5%, they're losing 10,000 instead of 30,000 is probably more feasible. Um, and then number two is uh, whatever lender you're working with, if you can drop the rate to one, one, you know, their, their, their cost to one point and then give them back uh, a couple percents on that rate uh, to pay their closing costs for them, that client still wouldn't need any money out of pocket. I don't think you need 5% seller concessions. Uh, it depends on where you're at. I think that's a, that's, pro- I doubt your closing cost is $20,000. If it is, you need to chop lenders anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but that's what I would do to fix that loan. Um, uh, is I would cut my compensation, give it back to the client. And, uh, and then we could also, uh, if we have realtors in the transaction and we want to save it, maybe our realtor will give up 1% and take 2% instead. So we got, we got options there on finagling it, uh, finagling it to make it work. If you want to explore more specifically with Jordan, Ellen, his contact information is there. I am going, I know that was probably like, eyes. we're going to come in for a landing here because we've been going for an hour. Uh, I'm in doing so. I want to do this. Number one, I want to let you know that we'll get the replay uh, later tonight or tomorrow. If you want to go back through this, any of this, uh, we'll have it there. You can create a free account at wakeup.realestate for marketing resources and scripts and templates. Check out vqualifier.com for how we are uh, collaborating with uh, agents to help them increase their conversion ratio and, and thereby increase their GCI. Jordan's contact information is in the chat or if you're watching this on replay is below. And the last thing I'm going to share is uh, my initial uh, experience with Jordan way before I was ever part of the virtual mortgage partners team here before it even existed, to be honest. Uh, Jordan sh- saved, saved th- through the, the, the kind of logical problem solving that he just went through. He saved three transaction sides actually four, four transaction sides. Not all were my transaction sides, but he saved four transaction sides through this creative problem-solving approach of how to maneuver and navigate guidelines, finances, fees, and, and, and how to structure deals so that they could be either facilitated or saved, right? So that they could either be made to work in the first place or uh, we're falling apart and stepping in. And in one of the scenarios, actually saving the um, the borrower and seller of one of the properties from breaking the law, essentially. Uh, we talked to her. I actually talked to her yesterday. Too. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, absolutely. I talked to her. She called me and asked me some questions. Yeah. So so that's my own personal experience and and part of what led me to now being partnered with Jordan at the Virtual, virtual Mortgage Partners team because it, it, this piece of the puzzle is so critical if you want to succeed as an agent, the ability to make, uh, uh, you know, to to do more than just the cookie cutter, perfect fit in a box deals, uh, especially in a market like this, where there are just fewer transactions to be had, there's less inventory, et cetera, is, uh, is critical to survive and thrive. So thank you all. Long session, great session. We will have another free info session next week. Um, I think, I don't even remember. We'll, we'll let everybody know. I had some ideas yeah. for it. We'll let everybody know later this week or early next what that topic will be. If there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Uh, we're here to help and support any way we can. Uh, thank you, Jordan. And thank you all for yeah, spending time it. here on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks. 
Thanks again for listening. You can check out full video replays of the show on our YouTube channel at Wake Up Real Estate, or you can check out the link in the description on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Thanks again, and see you tomorrow.